is Leland Best over at Best AI Podcast. I'm hearing my voice in my head for some reason today, so if I echo out, that's just my problem. I brought a whole group of guys with me today, so I'm just going to bring them on screen so we can all hang out together because that's the purpose of this whole broadcast. If you're watching over on Facebook or YouTube, we are going to be out here every Sunday night at 7 p.m., so be sure to stop by next week when we're going to just keep things rolling. But while we're at it, I'm going to bring the rest of the crew out here and introduce them to you one at a time. This is Best AI Podcast. So welcome, all of you. How are you doing today? Just wave to the crowd. Say hi for everybody for a second. Good, good. Hello, everybody. Howdy. Awesome. I'm going to start over at my left, which way would be that way. And we're going to start with Lee Love, and we're going to go around the tree here. Tell us who you are, what you do, and where you're from. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. I'm too nervous. No. Hey, <laughs> my name is Lee Love, and uh, I am a commercial photographer and uh, also a AI aficionado and lover of all things technology. Well, Chris, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey, my name is Chris. I am from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Ten years ago, I started an award-winning wedding DJ business. And five years into it, I found that I really need to be good at marketing and sales to even get any business. So I went back and got a degree in marketing. And now I'm here to talk about AI and technology with all my buddies. That's awesome. And he brought a buddy with him because Tony White couldn't make it tonight. He was in Vegas for the weekend at a conference. So he made sure that we did what we had to do to fill a spot. And I have to say, Chris was gracious enough to bring his friend, Greg. Greg, tell us all about where you're from. Hey, everybody. Happy to be here. I'm also from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I'm currently an SEO for Shopify and been doing SEO and search engine marketing, web design, web programming for over 20 years now. Awesome. I'm glad to have you on the broadcast today, Greg. I appreciate you coming by on such short notice. And then we've got our buddy, Ross. Tell us about it, Ross. What's your story? Ross McCamey. I am an AI uh, officer for different businesses. We do fractional AI officering. 
So we have tested out hundreds of AI systems and we go through and we help implement AI into businesses and uh, we help use it in effortlessly. That's awesome, dude. That's awesome. Well, I'm glad to have him. And then I've also got Brad Slows down in the corner out of Vegas, I believe. Go ahead. Tell us. Yes, yours. sir. Brad Zalas here. Uh, I'm an award-winning author, creative director, uh, and graphic designer. I have probably a 40-year career doing the big meetings for uh, corporations as well as uh, print media and things like that. And I am starting to dip my toe into AI and uh, telling everybody my feedback as I uh, get into this brand new world. That's awesome. And I'll just let everyone out there know the reason I got these six together, me being kind of into video, I've been live streaming video since 2012. And before that, I was working in public television. So a lot of my expertise comes in from the engineering end of video and audio production. I figured Lee being in Washington, D.C. was a good place to start being in America. And then from there, we brought in Chris, who's a good friend of mine. We've worked together in the back end of things when it comes to automations and AI. He's also a wedding DJ, which I don't know if he mentioned that. I think he did, but I've got him as a title under there. I name these guys, okay? They can change their little handle however they want as we move ahead in this. This was just something I started to get the ball rolling. So the reason we're here is to teach you guys about AI and how to use it in your business and how to use it in your life. Because like it or not, it's coming. Right, guys? Tell me a little it bit is. about what you know. <laughs> Ross, let's start with you. What do you think about what's going on in AI right now? AI is crazy, man. It's advancing so fast. I can tell you this year, diving into it, I've done years worth of work in the past one year. It's just insane how efficient it makes you and it allows you to really brainstorm, uh, implement systems in that work, cut down editing time, all kinds of stuff. And what's coming out in the tech world is even crazier with what's going to happen with the cell phone industry and the mobile devices. So uh, it's, we can dive in deep and I'm sure we will over this entire thing, but man, there's just, it's so much, it's crazy to even talk about. It's going to get there sooner or later, believe me. Um, just let's head over to Greg for a minute. Since you're the special guest today, I kind of want to get a feel because SEO is obviously one of those avenues that's going to going to get affected terribly when it comes to AI and the advancements that are being made with keyword searching and everything. Do you really see search being a thing anymore with AI on board? A search will always exist in some capacity. It's uh, it's hard for us to almost uh, um, have an imagination for it anymore because all we've ever known is the current landscape of the search and result page it hasn't really um changed there hasn't been a, a paradigm shift uh since you know if you guys remember maybe like alta vista and excite and hotbot you know from 1997 or so it just always gives you this list of of documents for you to continue on your search for and it worked well for about 20 years and you can see the search and result page evolution with Google, how they've integrated more and more search features and, you know, AI in, in um, information retrieval isn't super new. Google's been employing AI into their algorithms since probably at least publicly 2014. Mm -hmm. And um, now that, you know, it, the velocity has really ramped up certainly ever since <clears throat> Uh, chat GPT went kind of uh, bananas uh, public uh, last March or February. 
Uh, they've been under pressure. We know that Bing obviously uh, came out with Bing Chat that partnered with uh, ChatGPT, gave Google a little bit of a scare. Uh, and so they've had to ramp up their investments in terms of um, changing the paradigm a little bit because even chat GPT, now we're talking about, you know, it's, it, is it, is it going to be LLM versus traditional, uh, you know, search engine monopolies uh, against each other? We'll see. It hasn't um, quite come to fruition yet. I think Google still got their monopoly in moat, but certainly things are happening. I know, uh, I think last week they just announced Gemini, which is going to be their their hot new multimodal model. Um, it, it'll be integrated into Bard um, very soon. Yep. A lot of lot of uh, interesting things happening there. But again, we've we, we've we've had some false um, false promises in, in a way from Google uh, with some of their hasty announcements that they that whatever they're doing is just going to be the next best thing and then what we found out later on through some investigative journalism that they were kind of like faking half of their stuff <laughs> uh and so we'll see if gemini is the the real deal or not so that's kind of what i'm focused on right now well that's an awesome input i'm thanking you so much for bringing that to the table i know it's difficult for a lot of the guys out there in seo to understand the impact it's going to have on them I think some of them are using it really well and just advancing SEO, but there are others that haven't really taken the time to study SEO thoroughly and understand how this is going to dig deep and affect their possibilities online. I've seen a lot of this stuff jump to the top of the search engines almost immediately, and it's the way they're diving deep to get backlinks and stuff using this. So, amazing techniques. I wanted to touch on a couple of things before I go any deeper in this, because I think we need to kind of explain a little bit about where this all starts and how it all comes into play. And I've got a couple of graphics I just want to show people for a moment to get an understanding of why we're moving toward these AI chatbots or automations. And, and it kind of covers two simple aspects. Whoops, I went dead there. My audio is going to flip if I don't watch myself. It's a matter of frequency over complexity. If we have something that's really complex, I don't think we're going to rely on an AI personality or let's say an avatar to handle that for us unless it's routine. When it comes to frequency, yes, absolutely. If we want to schedule an appointment, if we want it to check our email and find solutions out of the email or summarize you know, programs for us that we've done, great. But there's other aspects to it we have to watch out for. And that's the way it communicates and where it's going to go in the future. One thing that we found already, just looking at the numbers, 67% of millennials have changed loyalties to a brand because of a single bad experience. 90% of companies compete on customer experience up to 28% five years ago. That's up that, that's a pretty significant rise. 85% of customers' interactions will be impacted by AI by 2025. We see that with all the chatbots that are showing up on websites nowadays. 78% of businesses will invest in AI to improve customer experience. And the way that customer experience takes place is pretty straightforward. There's a way that we all communicate. And as a human, we work in three phases. There's the semantics phase, which is the ability to converse. The episodic, which is the specific events that we put ourselves into that lead us to a conclusion. We have to make a decision based on those episodic events. And the procedures that we take to do that, which means the tasks that are to be completed. And from there, it basically 
leaves us with the human form of communication. So how does a bot work in that process? Well, we kind of have to look at it from another perspective. With the semantics, for the ability to converse, it has to be able to listen, understand, and respond. Now, in the case of a chat bot, we want it to be able to stay in the brand language because if it's talking about things and having hallucinations and talking about somebody else's business while it's on your website, you've got a problem. Then we've got the episodic process that takes place because with the brand constraint, as long as we've kept it within that brand, we shouldn't have to worry too much about what it's going to say, but we have to train it to identify specific events. Do I want a proposal? Do I want an estimate? Do I want a meeting? Do I want a purchase? Those types of things. And then the procedure that it's going to take to go through, the integrations of that to resolve with the system. That might be just getting an email addressed into a CRM, or it might be making a request for a list of inventory or an actual check on how much you spent that entire month for a list of purchases. So that's really what we're up against here. And there's a lot of different ways to build these. Um, we're all, oops, sorry, I kind of lewd myself with my, what happens is I've got auto follow on my audio. And when I do those screens right now, I lose my audio and that's my fault. So I apologize. Anyway, so the idea here is we need to build something somewhat human and we've done that. Give me your rundown, Lee, of what you think you would tell somebody an AI is if they asked you. Well, I think AI is really nothing, uh, well, uh, in a way, it's really just a huge database when you think about it, depending on whether you're talking about an imaging generation, uh, you know, generator, or whether you're talking about text and LLM. But most people, the, the misconception, most people, I think, believe that AI is just chat GPT. They don't realize there's a lot more going on in different areas. But That's in right. some ways, it's really the simplest way if you want to look at it in just a chat GPT system. It's just a really a way of learning and reading and understanding and knowing all this information. Um, it, it's interesting. If you go on chat GPT or BART or any your favorite and say, explain to me like a five-year-old what AI is, it will basically come back and say, imagine you have a person, a friend that's read every book there is to read and can remember it. And you ask them a question and they know it. They can give you that information. And I like that answer. And yeah. it kind of segues into where I want to go with that. I want to discuss ChatGPT because that's what everyone thinks AI is right now. And it's not. There's so much more to AI. If you saw the intro video... All those little terms that were brought up in that video are very much related to artificial intelligence. So we have a lot to cover and a gamut of stuff to deal with over the next several uh, episodes that we're going to do. So let's go to ChatGPT. Chris, how do you use it? I'm using it literally every day. I am having it craft social media posts or give me some creative ideas so that I can have a foundation to build off and kind of tweak for myself. I'm using it to um create podcast titles and descriptions again it's kind of taking that that creative workload um, off of my brain and just gives me something to work with something as a foundation that i can help pivot with and start to tweak a bit so i can choose it for myself and then so yeah it's just saving me a bunch of time creating um you know posts creating uh podcasts that's kind of been the the main understanding of it in addition i also asked it to write me some html code 
so that way I can get a form to look stylized in a particular way. So ChatGPT on itself has been fast, uh, fantastic for that. Awesome. So since I look at it as a great assistant, Oops. by the way, because, <laughs> you know, it's uh, how many times have we all sat there and stared at a blank screen going, okay, what is it I want to do? Well, if you start with this, it'll give you an idea or two. You can try it. If you don't like it, you can modify it, ask it differently. But the idea is it's a great way to start. So I think that's the, the biggest advantage I find of it as well. Absolutely. Ross, what what are your take on, how are you using it right now, Colonel? I use it in the same way. It's a starter for me. So I use it to kind of brainstorm and find the best way to do something. Uh, and then I've really been diving into the custom GPTs, especially since they've added the at ability to bring in your custom GPTs as you're doing it, which has changed the way I do it too. Because I used to name it like, CEO bot or CFO bot or whatever I was that I was using it for. And now I'm giving it a name. So now I can at Max or at uh, Charles or whatever I want to say. And I can bring that in with a name and I'm using it more like an assistant from that standpoint. But it's it's definitely the starter. It's the brainstorm uh, place to go to. And then I use Bard for some other things that are more up to date because GPT is behind uh, and they only do it a few months at a time. But uh yeah it's it's like lee said it's the assistant it's the thing that i go to instead of google i go to chat gpt first gotcha now greg being at shopify what type of procedures do they allow you to use chat gpt for and are there any that they don't allow you to bring into the office place when it comes to that stuff yeah we uh we're very um aggressive in our ai implementations and experimentations for sure. Certainly for uh, a lot of it is efficiency gains within processes and operations. Um, you know, certainly the the limitations um, could be say we can't interact uh, with it and in, um, in, in having them ingest like personal identifying information, any company, uh, sensitive information. We know what happened to, was it Samsung early, early on, um, where their engineers were, were, were prompting some, some, um, uh, secrets and then they got trained on that. <laughs> That's crazy. Mm -hmm. So, uh, as, as aggressive as they are, they understand the bounds and, uh, necessary security that we need to employ as well. So it, even with that, um, those limitations, it's, it's a daily, it's a daily use tool now. Absolutely. I love everyone saying that, you know, it's a, it's a starter. It's, it's great. It's just an unblock or unlock, you know, your, um, even where to start. Like I said, it's, uh, operationally great, just beyond even, uh, simple pro inform informative prompting. It can, you know, if you look into, uh, like Ross was saying, with the custom GPTs now, the store just opened a few weeks ago public. And if you're into uh, learning about agents as well, that's going to be really the next um, evolution once that kicks off and is more accessible. Uh, it's, it's agents are more kind of like multi-prompt chains and, uh, and where, um, uh, the GPT can actually on its own create a, uh, write a programming script and run it to solve your problem. And it's got a feedback loop. So it can ask, did it, uh, you know, uh, satisfy your, your intent? If not, let's try again. Those type of things are going to probably be uh, so common in the next few years. And even Google 
what that will be in the next iteration for for Google there we always think of uh, Google is, oh, they want to be an answer engine, right? That's why, you know, a lot of featured snippet type stuff. Just give you the answer right in the, the search engine result page. Why you got to go to a website and look for it? Well, it's not that they even want to give you the answer. They want to give you the solution because most informative answers have underlying intents of uh, you're, you're needing something else, right? You what's What's the temperature in Hawaii? Well, why do you want to know that? Maybe you're actually trying to get an air ticket there. That's the type of thing. Maybe it suggests all these air tickets for you. Maybe it can book it for you right right there as well. So that's uh, kind of went on a little tangent there, but no, uh, that kind of evolution is it really excites me. I, I like to hear all the informative end of things that we don't aren't able to catch in the news, aren't able to see online. And I appreciate that perspective very much. So, Brad. We kind of tasked you with a little bit of a journey on your book writing experience. And I think right after the meeting, a few of you guys got together and touched base and got an idea where you could start with that. You want to give us yeah. a little rundown of where you're at right now? Absolutely. So uh, Chris was kind enough to spend an hour with me and uh, we went into chat GPT and basically the parameters were uh, a book on organizational leadership and management, and it'll be a mini hardback. And Chris kind of just went through and showed me how to create a conversation is really what happened. And I don't think it took 30 seconds for it to crank out for a, a, a basic outline with four chapter summaries and it was ready to go. And it was literally 30 seconds. So yeah, Chris is laughing because it we're, <laughs> I'm sitting there going, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> and so I'm already you know, open the account and I'm getting started this week. I have a plan to just work on the book this week and uh, it has cut production way down. Um, the second part of that is Descript. I'm looking into cloning my uh, voice so that I can do some voiceovers for yeah. narration and reading. And uh, I like what I see in Descript. I looked at some others, but um, it's been a um, an eye-opening week. Let's put it that way. And anybody who's yeah. hesitating uh, get in there, get a mentor, find somebody like, like a Chris in your corner, <laughs> because, uh, I just had my mind blown. That's all. Well, that's awesome to hear. I'm glad you're on the right track, starting this journey out because I've written a book already with Jet GPT. I wrote my first book in 2017. I updated it in 2020 and I decided I wanted to do volumes. So I went in, I created an outline, I broke it down. I did each chapter of the book individually in paragraphs, broke that all up and then got in my own little bit of editing. You know, you got to, you can't it's, just give it out the way it is. Well, it's exciting. I, I, you know, I've read some of your work and it's like, I'm sitting here. It took me three years to write my first book. And I, I don't have time. Nobody's got time for that anymore. <laughs> and this is really an incredible tool. I think uh, I'd like to make a comment about it. I think the thing that yeah, the misconception ahead. that really upsets me about all of this, when people that are not familiar with, with AI hear the word, oh, I wrote a book on AI with AI or whatever, they think, oh, you didn't do anything. You just hit a button it spit out this information. It may be right. It may be wrong. That is totally incorrect, and that is irritating yeah. to me to keep hearing that over and over. I mean, I think Amazon even said, if you have a book now, uh, maybe it's just a uh, their Kindle book has to be flagged if it's used AI. That's ridiculous. What tool you use is up to you. 
If you use the word processor, spell checker, grammarly, does that mean you have to put that in there? So this whole this whole concern about AI being misinformation, I think, is totally misplaced. There's not a, now that doesn't mean there's not a case for that. It can happen, but that doesn't mean it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I doubt it. Uh, okay. Real quick, Leland, we're yeah, getting a few people saying there's a really bad echo on Facebook. Is there really a from bad echo all on of us? Not yeah. just you, all of us. I heard that early on. I didn't want to tell you. Uh, I agree with you, Lee, on that. You know, when people say, oh, you wrote a book. There is so much you have to go in and doctor uh, up. You know, when Chris and I were working, we kind of programmed it to write in my style. Right. Just to see if it could do that based on someone else's work that I have permission to use. And I thought to myself, okay, I'm going to have to really put my je ne sais quoi into this at some point. Because you're right. It doesn't write the whole book. You have to really go in because there's some things I don't want to say it like that. And there's some things where chat GPT is way off because it doesn't manage people. So I have to, you know, put in my own stories in my own. I found found the same thing with, with Grammarly. Sometimes it'll try and rewrite my sentences or tell me what words to use. I'm like, well, that's not the one I want to use. That's not my intent. It's the same thing. It's to me, it's no different. Yeah. And it's what I've one thing I've learned is that if you want it to sound more like you, because I have a lot of things I'm using it for as well. I took two of my um, videos, transcribed them, and then uploaded them, and it came back and said, "Oh, okay, I see. You're much more cons- conversational in the way you." It learned what I, my the way I spoke and the way I presented, and it now starts to understand that. And that, so you're training it. And I think that's yeah. the thing. That makes it very, very different than just pushing a button and spitting out some text. I agree. Well, autocorrect <laughs> is always correcting me and it drives me nuts. It's <laughs> never, it's never duck. Never duck. It's never duck. <laughs> well, so I yeah. think if I can uh, jump in, if this um, is interesting with the concern over tagging AI, I think this is probably a transitionary problem where there's a lot of uh, concern just because there's a lot of uh, misinformation about what what is, you know, chat GPT and AI and LLMs. A lot of um, people just don't know what it is. And um, it's not integrated into our lives enough. You know, I, I read last week with uh, in, there's going to be integrations right into our mobile devices. Windows is adding a key on their keyboard where you can you can start uh, working with it. It's it's going to be, you know, AI-assisted communication in all forms will, I, I, I project, will be very commonplace in about like yeah. five years. Right now, it's still, some of us, we're all still kind of in that bubble. I go to, I went to Thanksgiving and I asked, you know, uh, my middle-aged, uh, you know, aunts, you know, what do you know about ChatGPT? And there, there, she was like, what? What, what is that? <laughs> so... We need to just be a little more patient, probably, and and wait this transitionary period out, and then everyone's going to be, you know, augmenting their communication with AI, and then it becomes no big deal. Well, I think what we're seeing is it will. It's becoming invisible, really. It's becoming integrated, like you're saying. So you don't even. It's not like you have to go to Chat GPT. It's just automatically there. Right. And that's one thing. It's a really good point. Um, Greg, because it really, I was telling Leland this earlier, 
it really one of my pet peeves right now is what YouTube is doing where they're now going to be flagging and have you flag any video that uses AI. I'm like, well, how, you know, that is a rabbit hole they do not want to go down because AI is bigger than YouTube and bigger than Google. And so therefore, how's that going to work? And it doesn't make sense what tools I use. It, you know, I know they're doing it under the auspices of trying to protect you from something. I don't know what they're trying to protect you of. But still, um, I think it's a problem and I think it's a mistake on their part. And I would go as far as to say, I think it's more of an education problem we have than an AI problem. Yeah. You need to flag the content that is misinformation put out there by AI rather than flagging the fact that it was made by AI. It's still going to be people that are the problem putting out the prompts that control that AI. It's not going to be the AI that's making the decision to do that. Well, and that's the other thing about the laws. that I don't understand why people are talking about laws against AI. If I go and I misrepresent myself and I do something, perform some kind of fraud using AI, what difference does it make? It's still fraud. It's still against the law. It doesn't matter what the tool is I used. Yeah. Well, when the internet first hit, I remember all these lawyers were jumping up and down because they were treating it like a new frontier. And it's like, look, intellectual property rights don't change just because you're on the internet. Uh, but they, they use it as a, a way of saying, oh, this, this is a whole different animal uh, to create a, a, a problem that, you know, quite frankly, doesn't exist. Yeah, I mean, you're rightly, it's right there in front of you. And as somebody who has a podcast who has had many a video flagged on YouTube, I can tell you uh, the reasons why they flagged me. You know, I'm not, I'm not naive. I know why they flagged me. And I, I pull that content down and, and hope they don't, you know, banish me uh, to the to the dark lord, you know, mm. levels. But uh, you're right uh, that it, that content is about the person, not the AI. You know, if you're going to put something up, you know, it's going to get flagged. I hate to say it. Um, I'd be naive to think so. Those videos I know that are going to get flagged wind up on Rumble. That's just yeah. the way I do it. Well, the irony is that, and not to get too political here, but the irony is Google, in my opinion, Google and YouTube are the worst offenders. We have history. We had them testifying in front of Congress, et cetera, where they were flagging and banning information that now we find out is true. Yes. So who's, who yep. are they protecting us from? Anyway, enough of that. Well, we should talk about this and let's, you know, we can keep the politics out of it, but, you know, when... You know, this is this is a digital revolution where the the big dogs are trying to control information that used to be just you and I having a discussion, uh, you know, at a bar with some friends now yeah. is exposed. So how do we manage that control now that AI is part of, you know, the ubiquitous you know side of our lives? It's the undertone of everything and has been since video games came out. Well, my analogy is this. What if. What if AT&T monitored your phone calls and they didn't like what you said, they didn't like the political party, whatever it may be, and all of a sudden they cut off your telephone? You can't get a telephone number because we don't like you. That's equivalent to what's going on, in my opinion. Yeah. I'll offer, I'll offer a, perhaps an alternative uh, view on this. Please uh, do. What? Please do, honest. <laughs> uh it, what comes to mind is that the Google Google's traditional search, web search, 
they've they've um, put out uh, guidelines on AI, basically saying they don't care how the content was made. They care why it was made and who it's for. If it's for people, made if it's made made for people, they don't care if it's AI because they'll 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 filter out. They'll understand via behavioral metrics, you know, whether the content's good, and that's all they really care about because people are going to click their ads, right? So that 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 is a very easy for them to determine uh, whether something's good or bad, you know, whether it's AI or not. I think there's a separate problem with YouTube in that it's probably cost prohibitive for them to get. I'm talking probably to take a step back, like content farms, textual uh, textual content farms. You know, is not new, but the velocity since AI um, um, availability is so much more. Google can still process that stuff very cheaply. With YouTube, they have to process the video, right? We know that they go frame by frame. That's probably very, very expensive. So they're getting flooded with a lot of content farm YouTube AI type stuff. They're probably looking at their bank account going, this is too expensive for this. We're flagging AI. And uh, and again, this may be a transitionary period again when they can process quicker. Who knows? Good point. Never thought of it that way. Finally, yeah, an was... intelligent answer. <laughs> I, I know. We must be on the wrong podcast. Who, who invited they said just, this guy? <laughs> just last week, I think Google said that they were not uh, no longer going to be archiving the internet, the full entirety of the internet. And I wonder if that is related to the new push and that kind of, you know, exponential growth within AI produced content. Are you talking about the page caching? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Oh. You know, another thing I would say we need to take a look at that is a concern with AI is right now, AI is still learning from humans. What do we do when the majority of content is created by AI? How yeah. are we going to determine well, when the growth stops and it starts kind of detracting from itself? Good back question. in 2000, yeah, that is a great question. But back in 2008, uh, The Economist did an expose, which I talked extensively about in my work. Um, they talked about how... Uh, I think it was by 2010, 2009, and around there, uh, the the Internet of Things was going to out communicate human beings. So that's that's you know 15, 20 years ago. So right now, AI will overtake human conversation at some point, and it's probably going to happen a hell of a lot faster than your toaster oven talking to your refrigerator. Uh, it, it's just, I mean, it's going to take off, and suddenly we're going to be. You know, at some point it's, you know, I don't know if you know this, uh, but Greg, I'll explain this last week. I went to a symposium on uh, game designers years ago uh, to do some uh, research where game designers were getting together with academia and to figure out how to use gaming, serious gaming technology in uh, the classrooms as a teaching tool. And they had already exposed that games, video games from the day we had the Nintendo 64 out in Atari, that the games started to intuitively anticipate what the user was going to do. It saw patterns and it did this on its own. That's the funny part. So we're already, you know, we're dipping our toe thinking, wow, I'm really learning this. It's probably way past this already and uh, already deciding, you know, it's watched Terminator 2 and has decided it is Skynet. So we'll see. <laughs> Yeah, totally get where you're coming from there, Brad. And we had a clip that we put in the pilot movie about the the dangers and the possibilities that could take place. And we all saw a perfect example of this on X just recently when Taylor Swift's image was presented. 
across the internet in an explicit way. And Elon was kind enough to shut down all searches for her that day so that anything that could have prospered did not. But it just goes to show that with some of the AI filters that are available now, and I'll leave that clip available over on the AI podcast page so people can watch it. The filters aren't like they used to be where if you had a filter on your face and you touched your face, you could see the filter over top of your fingers. Now, when you touch your face, you don't, you actually see the impression of your finger go into your face on your skin because your entire face has been mapped. And now they're projecting the surface on top of your face and presenting that to the public. So we do have that issue. Some of us really need that help. Well, there's, of course, Lee, you want to tell us about how you're using it right now? Can you give me a tan? Yeah. I just need a beard. I can't. This is it. This is all I got. Well, you know, I've been telling people I'm going to make a gazillion dollars when I invent Photoshop glasses. Maybe this is going to do it. (laughs) Well, let's talk about image, Jen, for a little bit, since we're on the topic of being able to change what we actually see in front of our eyes now. There's text to image. There's image to image. There's text to video. There's text to speech. Um, let's start with text to image, uh, Mr. Photo Mentor. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience with that and where you're I going use with it quite a bit. Um, in fact, I just wrote an article you probably saw about it. And then the interesting thing, I, my point was we're missing the point and that everybody talks about Texas. It was the whole idea was that they think it's all AI images are just magic. It's all done by the computer. There's no human involved. We all know there's something called prompting and prompt engineering. It's going to get better. It's going to change. Instead of text, it's going to become speech. You can already upload an image, and it'll read the image and then make an image from that. Um, I. But the thing is, it never is like you exactly envision it in your mind. It's not. It's close, but it's not what I wanted, or it's better than what you thought it was going to be. As a photographer. That's the holy. That's exactly what we do. We have a vision in our head. We want the image to look like. We go out. We use these tools to try and create that image. We rare. That's the way I describe an image of mine that I think I really like. How close does that image come to what I had in my head? It's very, very rare that it does. Once in a while, there's a happy accident, and that's the case. But the point is the same with AI. Just because you type something into AI doesn't mean it's going to look perfectly. Now. As I said in my article, though, one of the great things is it already knows color. It already knows composition. So it can do a lot of these things that we don't know or we forget or are still learning about and being able to create an image that looks pleasing. But here's the bottom line. It still has to tell a story. An image without a story, an image without emotion is just pixels. And I think that's the part people are missing. There are a lot of pretty pictures going on out there with image-generated AI, but a lot of them are just pixels. They're not. There's no story to them. Ross, how are you using image generators right now in your business? I use it more for the marketing side of things. If I just want to tell the story and kind of give that backstory, I'll play with an image and I'll go into ChatGPT and play with Dolly. Uh, I actually been playing a lot with focus that Lee showed us last week. And that thing is just insane. Yeah. Um, yeah. We'll, we'll cover that again here in a minute since we didn't really have it before, but that's really it. I tell the story and I write a post that I want to write and then I'll go into uh, GPT and Dolly and I'll put the post in and say, make me an image that depicts this and try to do it again. Like Lee said, you got to do a lot of work to get it where you want it to be. It's not there yet. 
Um, but on this subject, I actually decided because I'm running ads right now and I've seen a lot of hate out there on AI. And so I decided to reach out to a guy who met, kept putting an angry face on my stuff. And I said, hey, what gives? You know, why do you hate AI? And he said that it's theft and the AI is stealing this art. And I'm like, there's this, there's two sides to that coin, right? There's one side where people are putting out art and it's publicly out there. Just like if I were to go to Google and I search a piece of art, I could find that. And then on the other side, people are putting hours into this stuff and they don't want to see it being generated by AI in 30 seconds when it took them a month or two months to create it. And I would love to get you guys' take on that. Where do you think this is going to go? And what do you think about the uh, legalities of it? Great question. And I think right off the bat, we're going to go to Brad for that one since he's the graphic yeah. designer along with myself. I do a lot of graphic design myself. I'll pipe in on that a little bit. So go ahead. Well, I started out this career choice because I could paint and draw. You know, as a kid, I always had a talent for doing landscapes and portraits and things like that and went to college for it. And so there is a part of me that's kind of like, uh, I, I, I love the fact that I can embrace it as a graphic designer, but there is a part of me that's like, it feels cheating almost like I'm not putting in the effort and the painting and the drawing and the being able to really enjoy that. Now I click a button and here's this digital art that's making me sit there and go, what? Okay. That was way too easy. And maybe I'm missing the point, but the reality is, is I feel like it's, it's removing some of my effort and the joy of that art that I do, you know, why I do it, that creative pulse that I have. The one thing I have been fascinated about is virtual reality artists who can paint in 3D and create an environment. Um, that is mind-blowing to me. And that that is using the digital tools properly, taking it to the next level, uh, getting into this new environment and learning the tools and, and getting your palette correct and your brushes and everything you want to do. With AI, you know, it, uh, you can spot it because people have seven fingers, you know, they, they never get it quite right. But um, I will eventually have to embrace the tool, just like I had to eventually buy a Mac, learn Photoshop, learn Quark Express, and then Illustrator and all these other things. It's a tool of the 21st century. Um, and and uh, I think the way I'm going to use this, and I'll let any anybody out there who's an artist who's listening or watching this, Here's how I'm going to use it. I will use it to lay out an idea for a painting and a drawing and then, you know, quad that off and see how I can improve on that and then start in the real world with, you know, acrylics and oils and things like that. I think that that would be a really fun process uh, to do, especially if you're doing portrait work and things like that. You want that accuracy. And I think AI will, be, like like we all agree, it's a tool and I'm going to use it that way. Hey, Leland, can I ask Brad I a question that. first? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. So, Brad, for number one, I, you probably already know this isn't a question part. This is the, did, do you know you can just take a sketch, a drawing, and feed it to AI, and it will then take that sketch and give you ideas and actually fill that in for no, not yet. Okay. I haven't even dipped my toe into uh, it yet. Uh, it's it's fantastic. You could That's draw a little, nuts. you know, I could draw a mouse, which I can't draw, or a cat or whatever, and feed it to it, and it will then turn it into that image so it knows that. My right. question for you is this, though. When you were going to school for graphic design, did you study other artists? 
Always, yes. Did uh, you were you taught to maybe kind of create their or duplicate their work or look and see how you how it was done? It was always a, it was always make it better or yeah. do it different or if you see a mistake there, how would you do it uh, better? But technique uh, was the key. Yeah, like with technique, dot yeah. technique or stippling. I think that's the thing that may, that people don't understand about learning of AI. It's exactly what it's doing. It, you didn't just wake up one day and become an artist. You studied. You studied other artists. You learned yeah. from their techniques. You saw how they did things. You found styles you liked. You found styles you didn't like. It's the same thing with AI. It's exactly what's going on that people are complaining about, that it's stealing. It's not stealing. It's learning. And yeah. I think every artist, as a photographer, I went through the same thing. I had many, many, many photographers growing up that I admired and that were passed yeah. on and I and built on, you know, on their shoulders. I didn't come up with stuff myself. Now, you t ideally, the goal is to take that and add your own sauce to it, right? Your own style. Yeah. But nobody comes up with this stuff on their own. No. And I agree like with for you, me, man. for myself being the guy who's usually branding and marking people with that type of graphic and anything that I do for my live video productions, for me to be able to go in and grab something from a B-roll perspective and just be able to create stock images on the fly to create a quick B-roll or to be able to do a text-to-video concept and actually create a short video blurb for an intro clip or an outro clip is such a time saver. It's not even, it's a remarkable thing for us to see. And yes, we do have these glitches that are taking place in the imagery. We've got negative prompts to counter that. And that's what a lot of people also don't understand is the way that the prompting takes place. A lot of people are, give me a cat with a green wall on a porch with a basketball on its legs. And mm -hmm. They're not wording themselves properly. They're not yeah. speaking to the AI like it should be spoken to like a regular person. Same thing with search engines. I'm sure yeah. Brad would tell you an SEO. I mean, I was, yeah, go ahead. my wife, I've always, been, you know, with her, I've always said, no, you're putting too much information in. Don't add, narrow it down and you'll get more results. The opposite's kind of a little bit true with AI. You want to be more verbose, not less. Mm -hmm. Greg, you want to touch on that a little bit? Yeah, actually, I, I want to just step back one, one second here with what sure. Lee said a, a couple minutes ago, and this is all relevant in that uh, I think there's a perception from people who haven't used the technology in that, right, it's it's not a creative, as if it's not a creative process, that it doesn't take skill. And that just shows they haven't used it before, because uh, you find out pretty quickly that for the best results, it turns out that having an education and experience in photography, in the fine arts, that's usually the key because if you start putting in the prompts, you know, um, photography technology, what millimeter film and what kind of, um, you know, shadows and that kind of t t terminology, um, you get the results you need. If you're just putting in, uh, you know, yeah, a dog on a sidewalk in a city, guess what? You're going to get absolute garbage mm -hmm. photos. If you can't speak the language that's necessary for the creativity to shine. Look, talk, Brad, I'm sure Brad can talk to this issue. Talk to any yeah. 3D artist that's doing gaming, and I'll tell you, the number one thing they'll tell you they want to learn, lighting. It's yeah. all about lighting. Yeah. Because as a photographer, I have that that value. I've been doing it my whole life. But for them, they don't understand lighting and making sure it's all coming from yep. the right direction and all those kinds of things. 
uh, I, I think there's something online you can Google this, but uh, Shrek was a historical mi milestone when it comes to this sort of artificial lighting and the the computer reading the environment. You know, they were using fractals and uh, image mapping and things like that. And then that was the first movie to get hair, to actually have hair that could bounce and flow. And uh, so Shrek, go back and watch it and you'll see um, there is a documentary where they show how they did the lighting and the lighting techniques that they use were just like in the real world. You know, they would add, a, you know, th this particular filter or this color gel and this and that just to get one scene lit properly, just like in a movie. And um, yeah, it's the exact same thing. You, you, you master the tools and speak to it in a way that it, it needs to hear it. Be well, the term, the it. term we use in photography is you're selling a fake. Okay, my ad, a photo I'm doing is a fake. It's not real. It's a 2D world. I'm trying to, I'm try, a 2D image I'm trying to represent in a, a 3D world and a 2D image. So therefore, that's exactly what those techniques are used for. People will notice them, by the way. If you're not right, they won't yeah. know exactly what's not right about it, but they'll know there's something. They can feel it. Something's, something's not right about this photo, and they can't figure it out. It's because the lighting probably is coming from a wrong direction, too hard, too soft, whatever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so true well well and i get it all right well let's move ahead we got about 10 more minutes before we have to wrap this thing up and let people get back to what they normally do um and we got a little off track it's not that where we were expecting to go today but again i apologize <laughs> we had one of those shows where the first time isn't always the best time and our audio was quite the mess at the beginning we were getting actually my wife rolled in i don't know if you saw her she left me a message that i wasn't <laughs> able to read right away which was basically telling me it. you're all echoing so bad that it's like so our first episode got tore up pretty bad in the first 20 minutes. Well, you're recording like to... this, right? You have it somewhere clean we can re-upload Yeah, we've, we've got recording for sure. It's just a matter of not all of it the way that we would like it to be because oh, of well. the way the audio was routed through the system. Well, maybe duplicating... AI can fix it for us. <laughs> we wish it was that easy. No, it duplicated. What I'm going to do is piece together the two shows, honestly, in one format or another so we can get some shorts out of that and just use that to promote next week's show. And speaking of next week's show, what are we going to do for a plan of attack i want to know what you guys want to talk about because you guys are the co-producers of this show so i'm not going to be the guy that always comes up with everything lee and i will write an agenda for each show before the show starts and we'll make sure we come up with a demo for the week but what would you guys like to see us touch on some more so i want to touch on chris first chris what would you like to see us really bring to this show and, and make a, a contribution to the public I think everything that we're doing here already is fantastic. Specifically, I just love to see how businesses are implementing the use of AI. So just the examples that Greg was able to give with Shopify and his experience in that industry, Ross, Lee, Brad, everyone coming together to kind of share these use cases of AI. Because again, the AI is just this overreaching. There's so many different subtopics that you know are available that I just would love to absorb that information. So Use cases and implementation within businesses would be the perfect topic for me. Awesome. Ross, what yeah. about you? I agree. I think talking about the implementation of how we're using AI on a daily basis, I've learned two weeks in a row now a ton, and I'm diving into this every single day. Uh, the other thing I would love to cover on is just the basics of AI so that people understand what it really is. I think that's one of the biggest things that's a struggle for people out there is they just don't understand like in my business, I, I implement a lot of conversational AI specifically for businesses. 
And the one thing I have to do is overcome the fact that it's not this all-powerful omniscient being that can answer every question. No, it's basically predictive automations. People have been automating messages to companies for years, and now all we're doing is giving it context around it and letting it have a conversation based on what you train it on. Take and that clip so, out of the um, Wizard of Oz and show it to him. That'll that'll explain the whole thing. <laughs> Look behind no. the curtain. No, it's just some Pay no attention to there. that man behind the curtain. <laughs> and that's exactly it. I think just an education would be a great way to go with this. Kind of great. All right. And Greg, coming from the the retail perspective, how do you see this really impacting Shopify owners going forward? I can see this being a real game changer for a lot of those guys. Already is. You know, uh, we had some great summer updates and last year that were all around AI um, extending the current platform, you know, whether it's uh, product title generation, um, description generation, you know, drawing in all the attributes that we know about a certain product. And so, you know, it, that the efficiency of that is incredible when you look at enterprise businesses and they have, 100,000 products. You think anyone wants to write those by hand? No, and they generally don't need to. So those type of things we're enabling for, for our merchants and we're, we're, we're just scratching the surface. It's, it's so exciting just, you know, in terms of uh, the technology in general. So, Hey, Greg, one of the things that I would think would be something that, you know, I'm not a shop owner yet, but I'm looking at it and that would be, okay, I got a lot of tools to create content. What I'm really interested in, though, is using AI to analyze my business and my store and what's selling, what's not selling. How can I figure out what I should be, who, what other, you know, looking at what, I know that's kind of data you may not want to share with everybody that has a store, but yet some of the other, what's popular in your genre, that would be, and, and how to analyze that using AI would be very, very helpful. It's it's um it's very easy for for merchants and business owners to get you know tunnel vision and very kind of myopic uh, um, in, in terms of what what's next this week what's what maybe next uh, following week but to be able to forecast trends you know in terms of the, your, your the ecosystem and marketplace you're in is 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 powerful as well as just like internally what's happening because so many businesses once you reach a certain point. There's so many things, data points are juggling, and you 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 uh, you sometimes can't see, you know, the, the phrase the um, uh, the entire forest through the trees, and you know AI uh, extendability in within your analytics will allow that to say, hey, you know what, we're predicting uh, in six months, you know, maybe you're going to run out of money. You don't know that yet. <laughs> mm, <laughs> if you go yeah, down this, sure. you know, something like stupid. That's a stupid. Uh, uh, um, example but something like that yeah well let me ask this question is there a way then before right now someone could use let's say is there data i could take out of shopify dump it into chat gpt and say analyze this for me is that a possible is that a stepping stone for somebody you you could there's the uh i don't know if it's in beta anymore but it's like code interpreter and i think it got renamed does anybody know what code interpreter got renamed no. to i think where you can dump in analytics uh, a file and maybe this is irrelevant with uh, custom GPTs now, but uh, be able to uh, ask questions where it can run, again, Python code uh, to create those uh, really sophisticated statistical uh, modelings and analyses of, of your, your data. It's, it's unbelievable. So, mm -hmm. yeah. 
completely. Amazing where we're headed with this stuff. That's for sure, guys. And I'm hoping to really touch base on a lot of it. Now, are we going to touch base on all of it? Absolutely not. We're going to kind of focus on those things that are pertinent to our niche, are pertinent to our expertise, obviously, and our knowledge base that we're capable of covering. We're not going to reach out to those things that we don't know, but we are going to also be covering things with regards to what to watch out for. And I think just to throw this out here for next week, I think what we'll touch on is all of the scamming that's going on with AI right now. And it's not just, you know, let's not just talk deep fake videos. Let's talk about people selling supposed AI products to make money in a way that's really unethical. It's not about no, the, most of the stuff is that, would they? <laughs> most of the stuff is free. And honestly, people don't know this. A lot of people now paying $20 for chat GPT is one thing because you're gaining a lot of value with that cost. But there's a lot of stuff out there that people don't realize that is being charged for that's actually free. It's available in open source and it's available online. So we're going to point to some of those resources that you guys can use at home and not have to pay for. And not worry about uploading your images into the cloud where you're not sure where your kid's picture is going when you send it up to an AI to make it look better. You can do that in the pleasure of your own PC. So, yeah, uh, guys, I would I wanna... also add, Leland, uh, leave a comment in the below. And if you're on YouTube, leave a comment on what you want us to cover. Oh, absolutely. I want everybody to participate. And we have two ways to do that. We actually have a Facebook page and a group that's going to come up under the best AI podcast brand. But we also have AI Fusion, which is what we're trying to blend as a collab between all of our niches and all of our avenues so that we can all come together as one rather than just look at it as who likes our podcast or what have you. We want people to just hang out and learn this stuff. I have a list also of the 10 best AI podcasts that are running right now. We just started. This is not the first AI podcast. There's a lot more like it and a lot more probably more intelligent and more advanced than we are when it comes to describing the processes and getting people up to other levels in programming prompts for these things. So don't expect us to be the only source. Please go and check everything that we say because don't believe anything we say. It could be We will crush them. We will have to crush them. Hey, hey, Anything Ross, you guys I want have to some say feedback to close? for you that's yeah. related to Greg, by the way. Yeah, we'll yeah, take it around, a... Lee. Go ahead, the you rush. go and wrap it up for the next. Okay, so when you search on AI Fusion, I get a lot of sushi stuff. That's, so, Greg, how does he fix it? Uh, no, that's I, I programmed it that way because those are my sushi co- uh, customers that I uh, use AI for. Oh, perfect. Uh, it works perfectly. <laughs> I'd actually perfect. love to learn about SEO. I'm not great at it. No, I'm not either. Yeah, and I, I'm kind of, you know, Greg and I were having this discussion actually, is is AI going to kind of do away or diminish um, SEO? He thinks not. I think yes. So it's kind of, he knows more than I do about it, but I'm just making it up as I go. But anyway, um, so yeah. Um, anyway, what do we do here? Um, just Lee, give me you wanna... your last thoughts for today on how you okay. think we can move ahead in AI. Or give any recommendations. You have I guess for the my last thoughts would be: um, Look, we get it. It's overwhelming. There's a lot of information. A lot of people screaming at you. A lot of people telling you different things. So go slow. Try a few things. Start small. Again, if it's Bard, if it's um, Bing. If it's ChatGPT, whatever it is, there are a lot of free services out there. Give it a try. Start with it. Start small. Don't um, and see how it goes, and you'll learn as you go. It, it's not that big a deal. Look, when you started with Google, you didn't know that either, did you? We're like, well, how do I use this Google thing? 
You know, no, and, and I love Greg. You and I, I were talking about Ask Jeeves. You're talking about all these search engines, Alta Vista, things yeah. that I haven't heard Alta about in years. I was like, oh well. So actually, I think Ask Jeeves could really come back if you're thinking about it, if that's an AI system, <laughs> yeah. right? I want Miss Dewey. I want Miss Dewey back. Yeah, Miss so, Dewey. All right. You don't well, remember well, Miss Dewey? That no, was, that uh, one I don't know about. Anyway, was... start small. Don't get overwhelmed, and I think you'll find it really can be a remarkable tool. Thank you, sir. Chris, you got any last remarks before we close? So excited for everything. If anyone has any recommendations on, you know, cheap, affordable storage solutions, the number of cat pictures that I am generating here (laughs) at such a lightning pace, I cannot find enough places to put them. They're in calendars everywhere. Anyone has anything, let me know. But I'm so excited for the future of AI and everything that's going on. Yeah, calendars. That's a big seller. It is. Isn't Get it? on All it, right. Chris. Get on it. Greg, I want to again. It. I'm thank, already thank doing you. that. I want to again thank you for coming on such short notice to the broadcast today. So if you can give us just a little insight on where Shopify is going with AI. I know you told us a little bit of the insight, and I know you can't give away all that stuff that you're probably under NDA for, but just give us a rundown of where you see Shopify going in the AI lane. Well, we just announced uh, a couple of weeks ago now image product image enhancements as well, making that. So it's really touching upon all the merchant frustrations, the things that they hate to do uh, and, you know, making uh, inroads with AI to lessen those pain points and to extend their capability in terms of also some of our small merchants may not have Photoshop, Firefly and all that, all that stuff and making sure that they have access to, you know, some of those things internally with our, with our um, CMS. So, yeah. Fantastic. All right, Ross, I'm going to give you the next stab at, and we'll close with Brad. I mean, give us, give us your idea on mobile too, because I want to touch base on that next week. Honestly, I think mobile is the future where AI is going to take off. If you can start having a conversation with it anywhere you go, that's going to be the next step for this thing. You already see rabbit coming out with the R1. You've got Meta's glasses, you've got, uh, Samsung coming out with the incredible amount of AI that they're putting into the S24. And then they're going to roll out their software when that comes out to the rest of the phones that they have. And then who knows what Apple's going to come up with. You know, they've just put out their VR and AR headset. I can imagine AI is going to be implemented into that really quickly. So I think everybody should keep an eye on mobile and see what it's going to do. And that's one thing that I'll talk about on here every week because mm-hmm. I'm a tech nerd. I love watching that stuff. So I'll bring what I find to that and we'll keep an eye on that as well. Appreciate it, Brad. Let's hear what you got to say. I know this book's going to be a first time thing for you when it comes to yeah. having somebody help you write it. What do you think? Yeah, that is true. I want to piggyback off what Ross said, you know, augmented reality is going to become, you know, that ubiquitous part of our lives. And I think every city in the world is going to start to claim their own AI, you know, sort of platform. And you you want to find a bathroom near Times Square that's clean. You're going to you're going to be able to find that using, a, you know, augmented reality, as I said. But I will problem is you say, only have to go to Jersey to find that. It's the only problem. That is true. <laughs> that is true. Uh, as someone who lived in New York for a very long time. Uh I became fascinated years ago with serious gaming, as I've said, and I almost missed the boat. And when I was doing the research, um, you know, delving into some of this stuff, I noticed that IBM had gone all in when it came to serious gaming, when it came to teaching and creating these worlds within worlds 
um, that you know they allow other people to have access to. These companies are div- diving deeply into AI, and you know don't hesitate. And this is more for the audience. Don't hesitate to jump in. I'm a you know I was hesitant, and now I have a group of you know uh, compatriots here where I can dive in and I can learn and I can do it. Don't be afraid. Um, and I look forward to, you know, everything I'm about to create because it's just going to up, uh, up my output. As I say, that's it. Perfect. Thanks. Leland. Awesome. Ending. Well, I want to thank all of you guys for being here again tonight on the Sunday evening and hoping that as we move ahead on this every Sunday, uh, we'll have a little bit of extra to add to the soup. And hopefully that soup will taste good by the time we finish. We'll see how it goes, guys. Thanks again. Um, Anything that we want to cover next week will be starting to show up on the page. And if you want to follow up after this and go hang out at AI or AI Fusion, I'm sure Ross will be happy to introduce anybody that's coming into the group as a new member. So head on over there and get signed up so that you guys can hang out with us and get this stuff done. And we're going to wrap it at that, guys. Take care. Have a good evening. Bye-bye. We're breaking the mold With the fusion Let the story unfold From out the business The future is here Unlock the potential Make it crystal clear yeah. It's time to fuse Let the sparks ignite AI in action Reaching you Just